Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, hello there. I'm your host, Simon. In this one, what happened to Flight 739? Uh, Katie wrote this. I'm going to read it. It's a cold read. That's what we do here. I've never heard of Flight 739, although I feel like this is one of those things where you read it and you're like, ah, yeah, that mega famous flight crash where hundreds of people died or something like that. Although, there's generally not that many mystery. Well, there's that Malaysian Airlines airliner, which just completely disappeared. And no one really seems to know what happened. I mean, obviously it crashed in the ocean. It didn't get abducted by aliens or anything like that. But uh, that's that's mysterious. I feel like they found parts of it, though. Didn't they find parts of it at some point? I mean, look, it's not going to be a happy ending there, is it? Look, let's just jump into it. What happens to Flight 739? Let's go. A military plane. A secret mission. A mysterious disappearance. Conspiracy theorists. Ahoy! Let's find out about the final days of Flying Tiger Lines Flight 739. Wait, so it's Flying Tiger Lines? That sounds like an airline rather than a military plane. Anyway, let's just jump in. I'm sure Katie's going to explain all of that to us because that's what she does. I have no idea what's going on. That's my job. I just sit here and read it and see what happens. The History After the end of World War II, American Robert Prescott, who had been a pilot for the Flying Tigers squads that carried out bombing raids in Japan, well, there we go, it wasn't an airline, it was a squad, started his own airline. Oh my god, and it is an airline! Oh, this is the twists and turns in the first two lines of this script, which he called the Flying Tiger Line. I mean, it's a good name, so I suppose you'd stick with it if you could. Teaming up with ten pilot pals from the original squad, who had cool names like Duke Hedman, Link Laughlin, and Catfish Rain, although I'm assuming that wasn't his actual name at birth. No, no, Catfish Rain. Who could? No one calls their kid Catfish. Although maybe in 2021, I mean, you see like celebrities, you see some absolutely absurd names out there. Like, really? Really? You know you're already the son of someone famous, right? Did you just want to make their life more difficult? Why not just call him John rather than like Cal Al? Nick Cage, looking at you on that one. It's not already bad enough or cool enough or just different enough that Nick Cage is your dad. You had to be called Kal-Al. Really? Come on. Prescott's new flying tiger line became the US's first scheduled cargo airline in 1949 and was also used a fair bit to transport and evacuate military personnel between the 1950s and 1970s in the Korean and Vietnam Wars. With its motto of anything, anytime, anywhere, the Flying Tiger Line was hugely successful. <laughs> it also sounds like it's going to open itself up for investigation. It's like, what were you, what you said would transport anything? So Pablo Escobar came along and he just wanted to transport cocaine. And we said, well, I guess we've got no choice. It's in our motto. It's in our motto. Oh, God, we're all going to jail. 
They were constantly pushing the envelope and using the biggest and most advanced aircraft available. It was trusted with cargo routes all over the world and, among many other things, was responsible not only for carrying the first new 50-star American flag and the torch for the Statue of Liberty, but also transporting Shamu the Killer Whale to a SeaWorld venue in Ohio 1974, along with 10 dolphins, a 3,000-pound elephant seal called El Google, and a duck that could apparently play the piano. That last one sounds like a lie. The duck can maybe walk on the piano, and if you call that playing, well, you're done. In 1980, the Flying Tiger Line became the largest cargo carrier in the world. It even set a world record back in 1965 for being the first aircraft to make an aerial circumnavigation of the Earth via the poles using a modified Boeing 707-349C. The Flying Tiger Line was a big deal. It's not that surprising as it was bought out by FedEx in the late 1980s. That's probably a happy ending. If you're the most successful carrier in the world and you're getting bought out by FedEx, someone is writing you a massive check. And for like an old military pilot, that's going to be a good time. To inject a little early taste of intrigue here, I'd like to go back a bit and mention that the commander of the original World War II Flying Tigers unit was one Claire Le Cheneau. Perhaps rather sexistly of me, I thought this was a woman and was surprised and excited to find out more, but it turned out it was just a man with the first name Claire. That's you'd be like, whoa! There was a a commander of a of a World War Two unit would be I feel who's being a woman like in an airline unit. Although there were the flying witches out of the Soviet Union, but that's a very specific case, and I've made a couple of videos about that. So I feel like this would definitely be something I knew about just because it's cool enough to have a video on it. But uh, no, it was just a dude named Claire. <laughs> I think it's funny. Dudes are called Hillary. Claire is worse. He was also nicknamed Old Leatherface, which might have given me a clue, but there you go. Anyway, Cheneau also created his own airline after World War II, originally called Civil Air Transport. The aim of this airline was to get relief supplies into China to help fight against Mao Zedong's communist forces. Spoiler alert, they didn't win. After this didn't work out, the airline was, on the face of it, a civilian transport service from 1950 to 1976, but it was actually owned by the CIA. Oh my god, the CIA's got so much money. <laughs> This is one of those things that's like, yeah, the CIA is the US military or whatever, you know, same sort of secret budget, just billions or not trillions, right? It's not trillions of dollars. Hundreds of billions of dollars, I'm sure, just go into the CIA. And it's like the amount of money they have, they're just like, yeah, yeah, we'll buy a cargo airline just so we can move stuff around the world quietly without it having like CIA written on the side. It's just, or using military planes, I guess, is more realistic. But that is just unbelievable. It's cool. It's also terrifying. It's cool, but terrifying. It changed its name to Air America in 1959. There were many dealings between the two companies, including Civil Air Transport planes being modified at Robert Prescott's Flying Tiger Line base and various aircraft sales between the two, so let's just say there's definitely room for undercover shenanigans going on there. Yeah, at some point they get a check and it's just signed CIA, and they're like, wait a second, <laughs> what's going on? Who slipped up? Are you the CIA? So let's get back to the plane in question, Flying Tiger Line Flight 739, which also had the registration of N6921C. It was a five-year-old Lockheed L1049 Super Constellation prop liner. On March 14, 1962, it took off from Travis Air Force Base in California with 96 military personnel on board, including three Vietnamese soldiers, a crew of 11 civilians, making a total of 107 people on the plane. It had to make a few scheduled refueling stops before reaching its destination of Saigon. 
Once there, the mission was apparently for the soldiers on board to take over training Vietnamese soldiers to fight the Viet Cong. The first couple of stops were fine, just minor delays caused by small maintenance issues to two of the four engines, but seemingly nothing to worry about. If I was on a plane and I had four engines, they were like, yeah, yeah, just a just, uh, little bit of maintenance on two out of these four engines. I'd be like, please say they're on different sides. And also, what the f***? <laughs> Flying was also way more dangerous in the past. This is like the 1960s. Planes were crashing, like, often. It was not, I mean, I guess it was relatively safe and all that. People still got on planes. But it was like people died in plane crashes. Nowadays, it's like very rare. It just makes the news because it's a lot of people. The plane took off from its third stop in Guam at 12.57 GMT on the 15th of March 1962. With apparently more than enough fuel to cover the distance to its next stop, the Clark Air Base in the Philippines, Flight 739 went on its way. All was well, according to Radio Call at 14.22 GMT, and there was supposed to be another check-in at 15.30 GMT, but the control tower at Guam was having issues with static following a call to a different plane, and it missed the window by a few minutes. When it was finally up and running again at 15.39, it could not make contact with the Flying Tiger plane. The radio communication at 14.22 was the last anyone heard of Flight 739. The plane was officially reported lost, and the largest search operation of the time was launched on the 16th of March 1962, covering around 200,000 square miles, that's 520,000 square kilometers, it's a lot of space, of the Pacific Ocean, and harnessing the combined forces of the U.S. Air Force, Navy, Marines, and U.S. Coast Guard over a period of eight days. Not a trace of the plane or its passengers has ever been found. So why is this so mysterious? Okay, yeah, I'm like, okay, it's a plane, it disappeared. Especially back in the day, I feel like it's more likely for planes to disappear because there definitely wasn't GPS. Uh, they, I guess they would, there's radar and shit, but that's going to be way less reliable. There's going to be way less technology, so it's going to be harder to recover. Ultimately, planes do crash and fall into the sea without much of a trace even today. Just look at Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 from 2014. What makes the disappearance of Flying Tiger Lines Flight 739 more tantalizing, though, is the whiff of conspiracy and cover-up that surrounds it, and the fact that as time goes on, it gets less and less likely that the truth will ever be fully known. But, as we've often discussed, as we've discussed on this channel before, the longer something goes on, like, if there's a conspiracy, at the start, much more likely that the conspiracy is real. Sort of. Statistically. Because, over time the chances of someone leaking it increases. The more years go by, the greater that chance becomes. So, like the moon landing, sure, 1960s, maybe people thought it would be faked. But there were thousands of people involved in that. And over the time, people have died, there would have been deathbed confessions, something would have happened, someone would have wrote a book, someone would have once cashed in, someone would have been sent to prison, there would be a deal, and the truth would have come out, because it's just too many people over too long a time. Again, like with this kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, well, the longer that goes by, the less likely it is to be a conspiracy. To begin with, the rescue party were probably reasonably sure of finding something, as they had the last known location of the plane when it had checked in the previous day, and they knew the direction that it was going. Oof, yeah, but it can go on a massive detour. It, that was a long time ago in plane flying terms. Also, there was an apparent witness to the event. Oh, a Liberian tanker was floating around, minding its own business, when the crew spotted vapor trails disappearing into some clouds. They then heard a double explosion and saw two red balls of flame falling from the sky at different speeds. That's got to be really, like, not scary, because you're not in danger, but it's like, oh my god, I just watched people die. It's pretty intense. It's like that, uh, that Formula One. I watched that Drive to Survive. 
and a couple like when the Romain Grosjean has a crash where he goes into the wall and his car is just obliterated and uh, a friend of mine who's really into Formula 1 sent me the clip and he was just like dude I think I just watched someone die on live TV and I'm like this was after we know he was okay and you just see that car going into that wall and you're like how did what the technology is amazing it's like the front of his car was obliterated it didn't exist anymore and then he was in flames for like a minute and he walks out and he's like yeah my hand's a bit busted up that's it wild if you haven't seen drive to survive i never watched formula one didn't really have any interest in formula one that documentary series is incredible stop watching this or listening to this and go check out drive to survive on netflix not a sponsor should be a sponsor i'd love netflix to sponsor (laughs) that'd be cool the tanker's radar pegged this at about 17 miles 27 kilometers away from them or at 500 miles 805 kilometers off the coast of guam which is where flight 739 should have been at around that time so case closed then right obviously this was the plane with its military passengers exploding in midair and falling into the pacific well yes probably that was the outcome but the lockheed super constellations were safe planes specifically used by uh, by the airline because of their reliability records yeah i sort of but that's a fairly weak argument in my opinion because planes today any plane i'm sure modern plane would blow except for that 737 max <laughs> we all know what that story was um any modern plane today surely blows the safety record out of the water compared to any of these older planes doing these same routes and planes today still crash because of well pilot error probably mostly but also mechanical stuff can go wrong the uh, the max thing was the, the the autopilot was fighting them and crashing them into the ground which is insane um but yeah planes crash reliable planes crash just less so why did this one explode and how the tanker did immediately head over to the area of the explosion and searched for several hours but found nothing also i didn't mention this earlier but now seems like a good time to say that not only were the 93 american soldiers on the plane they all just happened to be army rangers oh wow these are like elite soldiers these are elite combat and operations specialists so it seems a little unlikely that they were just popping over to vietnam to train up some soldiers and remember this was 1962 a few years before the u.s officially entered the war so something was definitely going on on the hush hush see intrigued now eh yeah i'm pretty intrigued this sounds like way more like someone wanted to take out a whole bunch of elite army rangers who were going to vietnam to cause some trouble but also they could be going there as like consultants like consultants to like train the southern vietnamese army against the north vietnamese right because that was definitely something that was was that going on in 1962 it was going on before obviously the official war of vietnam began i don't know my vietnam war history is not good enough to to know the exact date theories let's take it for granted that the tanker did see the remains of the plane falling into the ocean if we take this eyewitness account out of the equation we're not left with much to make a story out of and it could probably and we could probably just assume that the plane ran out of fuel or had mechanical problems and ditched somewhere between guam and the philippines yes totally that tanker story that i maybe there's a reason for the tanker people to lie but it seems like a pretty unlikely thing to lie about also they'd have to know about this plane and then it also conveniently goes missing seems pretty likely that the tanker people are telling the truth maybe katie will tell me something later on to persuade me different but i think that plane crash like doesn't seem to have run out of fuel does it a double explosion doesn't seem very likely but the evidence of something happening at the correct time and place to account for it being flight 739 is very compelling fully agree 
So, what could have caused the plane to blow up mid-flight? Well, two of the engines had been tinkered with on two different fuel stops, but the pilot reported no issues in his 1422 radio report, and it didn't seem that there was a serious problem with either engine. Even if they had stopped working, the plane wouldn't be blown apart. In the years since, aviation experts have all agreed that this type of plane just exploding as it flew along was totally unthinkable. Yeah, I mean, planes, they don't generally explode unless they're being blown up. They, uh, they crash into the ocean or the land by not bombs. Also, under normal circumstances, there wouldn't be anything on board powerful enough to cause this kind of thing. Something might have happened to cause the plane to explode. The weather was clear and fine, so it wasn't a storm or a lightning strike or anything like that. Let's look at some of the other theories behind the explosion. And before you get your hopes up, Simon, there really isn't an extraterrestrial angle to this one. Oh, no. I love it on exploring the unknown when the aliens come into it. Someone's always been like, I bet if you Google it, Flight 739. Flight 739? Flight 739 aliens. I bet you someone's coming up with some theory about aliens. Because of course they are. Because it's the internet. Google goes deep. I know you complain when aliens pop up. But I don't know. Deep down, you love it really. I love it. I mean, I do believe aliens are real. I just don't think they're coming to Earth and blowing up flights. Because they don't care. We watch. I'm watching this TV show with my wife called Invasion. And it just bothers me because the aliens, they come and they kill us. Like, but individually. Like, these aliens come down to the planet and there's, like, plenty of scenes when the aliens are killing people. And I'm like, yo, these aliens traveled from however far away. (laughs) Really, really far in spaceships. And they seem incredibly powerful. What business do they have just killing us individually? If they want us gone, they would just make us gone. It would be like us fighting individual ants. It would be absurd. So, just for you, maybe it was aliens. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's get down to some more likely stuff. Sabotage This was a plane full of soldiers heading to an area in the middle of a conflict zone. Could there have been someone who deliberately messed with the plane at one of the scheduled stops to prevent it from getting to its destination? None of the three areas the plane landed in were secure, so anyone on the bases potentially had access to it every time. It is therefore possible that the engines were somehow deliberately tampered with, or maybe there was even a bomb stowed away on board. This was actually my own idea, as I haven't seen this theory pop up in any of the research that I did for the story. Yeah, that does seem pretty likely. I have to say I'm definitely leaning towards the fact that someone blew up this plane. There's motivation, there's the bomb, the the explosions in the sky. I'm kind of leaning towards that right now, and someone's slipping a bomb uh, onto the plane, like at one of these air bases where it stops refueling. Kind of seems likely. There are plenty of references to sabotage, but none to bombs in particular. I don't know anything about bomb making in the 1960s, but I suppose it's unlikely to be able to smuggle something presumably quite large onto a plane without somebody noticing it. But hey, it's a theory. Maybe you could stick some C4 near the fuel tanks or something. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, you don't need much bomb to take out a plane. Really, not much at all. Just enough to like knock a wing off, blow up a fuel tank, depressurize the cabin big old hole in the side you don't need that much bomb i'm fairly sure if there's a grenade on a grenade goes off on a plane it's probably not gonna work it's not gonna work out for that plane that'd be fascinating what happens if a grenade does go off on a plane has that ever happened in history maybe someone in the comments would know if you're watching this on youtube if you're listening to it on a podcast then that's unfortunate you don't get to you don't get to find out the grenade discussion that probably happened in the video so you can watch on youtube as well happy days or maybe there was a traitor on board who set up an ex- set an explosion off themselves, a communist sympathizer or just an unhinged psychopath. Again, just spitballing here, a bit of blue sky thinking, don't roast me in the comments. I'm going to get roasted as well in the comments, aren't I? Because I'm kind of agreeing that this seems pretty likely. I don't know about the suicide bomber, though. I think, like, 
I don't know. So, I feel like before 9-11, people were like, yeah, yeah. I mean, wait, you got to beat, you got to get off the plane, though, once you put the bomb on there. <laughs> Although after my genius wave of blue sky thinking outside the box, I investigated a little further and did find some information that might give a bit more oomph to this theory. I didn't really think about the fuel stops that much. I just imagined them as fairly short stops to fill up the plane. But of course, they would have taken a while and the passengers and crew would have got off to stretch their legs. The flight had also been going for over a day at this point, so the pilots especially would need to rest. At the first stop in Hawaii, the head of the flight crew complained that there wasn't enough of a crew rest area, so an extra mattress was brought aboard, which added half an hour or so to the stop. A mattress, you say? Why? Wouldn't that be big enough to conceal some sort of explosive or maybe i'm totally overthinking it and it was a blow-up mattress in a tiny bag also it could totally been checked for security before it goes on although i feel like military planes and stuff that that's going to be way less do they have security when you go on a military flight they maybe not right because you got to be like these rangers and stuff they probably got bombs and how do they get bombs do they like take grenades on planes to take them around the world and take them places? That sounds dangerous. Uh, but these dudes, I don't know if they go through airport security. Also, airport security in the 1960s was probably a joke. <laughs> Even on like regular commercial flights, until someone like blew something up and we're like, whoa, someone blew up a, pe- blew up a plane. We should have some sort of security. But wait, there's more. At the next stop on Wake Islands, four of the flight crew were replaced. I assume as scheduled as opposed to any other issues. Maybe one of the departing party had left something on board ready to blow up or one of the new crew brought something on. I'm not accusing anyone in particular, just trying to solve a mystery here. Also, at what would turn out to be the final stop in Guam, the plane was left unattended for a while after the routine maintenance checks had been carried out, a perfect opportunity for sabotage. So with my conspiracy hat on, this does seem like a possible explanation for the explosion. There was literally something happening every time the plane landed. Also, there's the other line of thought that as the Flying Tiger lines were increasingly being used to military transport as well as their usual cargo runs, maybe they were overstretched and maintenance and general checks on the planes went a bit by the wayside. Does that really happen? Maybe in the 1960s? I feel like today they're not just like, oh yeah, we're really busy so we didn't check that plane over before we sent it on a flight. Because that's going to open you up to such massive liability and fines and probably jail time for whoever allows that to happen because that is extremely bad. I've mentioned this before. I'm learning to fly every time we get in that plane. It's like you've got to check everything. You're checking that the, the wings are attached properly. You're checking the oil. You're checking the fuel twice. You're doing all of this stuff just to make sure that this little plane is going to be okay. With big planes, I'm sure the checklist is a lot longer and they do it every time because you know you're getting in that plane you want it to be safe even if this were the case though aviation experts have agreed that an that in the normal course of flying operations this sort of explosion just wouldn't happen unless undeclared things were on board and there were no huge weapons or anything like that just clothing and personal effects even the executive vice president of the flying tiger line stuck his neck out and said that it was impossible for the super constellation to explode so something violent must have happened how can this bomb theory has never been floated online this does seem extremely likely there were two explosions maybe a bomb went off and then the fuel ignited I don't know if that's how that works, but look, there was a there was a bang. That oil tanker, which seems to be telling the truth, because I can't work out a reason for them to lie. There was a bang. A bomb went off. This seems extremely likely. Kidnap. Sure, it's possible that the plane could have been hijacked, but is it really that likely? 
Where would it have happened? At one of the fuel stops, presumably, but this was a plane with almost 100 elite soldiers on it. So I think any potential hijacker would realize their mistake pretty quick and just walk quietly off at the next stop. Yeah, it's like, this is like the reverse Con Air. It's like Con Air, except everyone is an elite army ranger who could probably kill you with their toes. It's like, what have I done? I've kidnapped the wrong plane. Ah! There were no reports of ransoms, and the plane seemed on course for where it was supposed to be, unless it had veered off just after the 1422 radio call and had flown for over an hour in a different direction, and the thing that exploded was just something else entirely. If this was the case, presumably it still crashed somewhere as nothing was heard from the plane or passengers again. It would have just meant that the rescue party was looking in the wrong place. The pilot did request a change of altitude from 10,000 to 18,000 feet in a radio call at 1325 GMT. This was approved with no reasons being given or queried. There was also a bit of cloud, but otherwise the weather was clear, so visibility should have been fine. The tanker saw vapor trails going into some cloud, but no one on board could confirm seeing the plane itself and there was no explanation given for this altitude change. I don't know if it was a weird request or just a routine thing that pilots do to avoid clouds or fly faster. Basically, I have no idea if there's anything to be made of it or not. It's a fairly big change in altitude from 10 to 18,000. I don't know how high planes flew at this time or what that plane's normal altitude is or at what point of the journey it was on, but it's not un- it's definitely not crazy unreasonable. I- it didn't stick out to me as something strange planes change altitude all the time it would obviously be more weird if it was flying at ten thousand feet in the middle of the flight that would be strange assuming it can fly at eighteen thousand feet everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time and if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All other radio reports had been pr- perfectly normal with no strange messages or distress calls being sent. After repeated attempts to contact Flight 739 after radio contact was re-established by the Guam Tower, it was officially declared lost at 22.27 GMT, which is the time at which all of its fuel would have run out. Collision with an object the crew of the tanker saw two fireballs falling towards the sea at different speeds. Maybe these were two different objects as opposed to two halves of the same plane. Yeah, but it's going to have to be a fairly massive accident. You're going to have to crash into something substantial for there to be two things. And were there any other planes that were missing at exactly the same time? I feel like the Tenerife Airport disaster is one of the most memorable. I mean, it was the worst aviation accident in history. But it was also super memorable because it was two giant planes crashing into each other on the runway. I feel like if two giant planes crashed into each other in midair, that would be something I would know about. That would be like, you know, it would be memorable like Tenerife. There was that other one. It was, there was, was it a China Air or something where this, these two planes, they're just absolutely flying towards each other and they missed by like 100 meters. It was crazy. And they, they changed some rules with flights. Um, that This is what's so interesting about planes and, and flying. Like anytime there's an error they fix it so it doesn't happen again. Like, it, they report on it, there's these super transparent reporting so the pilots can say, we really screwed this up, or like something went wrong, and then they work on fixing it. So with this one, this is such a tangent for like aviation nerds. But uh, these two planes were flying towards each other. However it happens, and like there was some confusion with air traffic control. And uh, 
basically just at the uh, and they had their devices on board which alert them to oncoming oncoming traffic like completely separate to air traffic control and just at the last minute one of them just happened to pull out of the way and there was a big argument or like a decision over do you listen to air traffic control or do you listen to to the collision avoidance thing because they needed to be on the same page because that will allow them to avoid each other and they're like yeah ignore air traffic control always just do what your collision avoidance thing says and i'm like that's cool are they just adapt and change i like it tangent over we're getting back to it they were a fair distance away after all what could have that other thing been there is an almost impossibly small but still teeny tiny chance that the plane was hit by something like a meteorite oh my god guys the odds of this are just astronomically low astronomically low I mean, literally astronomical. Uh, this has apparently never happened in the history of avionics, but maybe it has, and that's what caused the odd mystery crash or two. Meteorites do make it down this far, and on rare occasions have struck things on Earth's surface. See, for example, the New York Peak Skill meteorite car, which got hit in the trunk in 1992 and hasn't stopped milking it since. It's even got its own website. So why not a plane? Well, one there's not that many planes (laughs) there's a lot of cars and it seems that one car has been hit in history the surface area of cars in the world compared to the surface area of planes is crazy different as no wreckage has ever been recovered we can of course never know for sure but we can be damn close to certain it wasn't a meteorite guys there's even something else that could could have hit flight 739 though and that's a missile some people expressed doubt about the Russians. For at the time, it was only them who could have launched such a strike that would take out a cargo plane like this. And yes, this was a plane full of army rangers. This wasn't a run-of-the-mill plane load of piano-playing ducks they were transporting. Nice callback. According to family members of the missing men, they had been handpicked from across the country, and at least a few had been confirmed as communications and electronic specialists. This points to potential wiretapping and espionage missions at the very least. The Soviet Union and the US were supporting different sides in the Vietnam conflict, so this made a large dent in the US's operational capabilities, potentially ending any plans they had before they even started. This ties into family of the missing soldiers reporting that the men had left important belongings behind, such as wedding rings and ID cards, perhaps indicating that they indeed were going on a covert mission with a high chance of capture or death. Some men even explicitly said they didn't think they'd be coming back. Holy sh**, this is some intense mission. They have also been all but disavowed by the US government, and the names have not been added to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall, as to do so would be an admission that they were indeed involved in the conflict long before the US officially landed troops on the ground. I suppose it's a weird place for the Soviet Union to have taken the plane out, but as we have discovered, it totally disappeared, so it turned out to be the perfect place to hide all traces of evidence. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to take it out in a place where it's like, yeah, 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 it's a pretty obvious place for the Soviets to do it, isn't it? Actually, then maybe they'd be like, it's too obvious, it can't be the Soviets. You're doing some out-of-the-way place where they don't expect you to be doing it. This also seems like a very credible possibility. In this one, I'm totally into the conspiracy theorists. This plane did not just disappear. It was blown up, either by a bomb or a missile. This doesn't seem like a conspiracy theory. It seems like logical thought. If the tank hadn't been there, no one would be any the wiser. No one ever took responsibility for taking the plane down, although with international tensions at a high point, maybe that's to be expected. If it wasn't the Russians, though, could friendly fire have been to blame? I hate the term friendly fire. It sounds like something that wouldn't hurt you because it likes you, or a nice place to sit around and toast marshmallows. How about snafu fire, or totally scrub fire, or getting accidentally killed by your own side fire? (laughs) 
Yes. As the plane was chartered through a civilian airline, this whole thing has managed to be sidestepped by the US government as not being an official armed forces or government operation. No, 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 it's just a coincidence that 60 army rangers got, all got on a plane together and flew to a conflict zone. Definitely not a military flight. Allegedly. The US government has never given out any further information about what might have happened, leading some people to believe that it might have been a friendly fire incident after all. And to be honest, you're not going to want to readily confess to a mistake like that. In another string to this theory's bow, the tanker that witnessed the explosion tried contacting the nearest naval bases to report it, but calls went unanswered. There are apparently no historical documents about the plane in the Travis Air Force Base's archives, and repeated requests for information to places like the CIA, National Archives, and the State Department have fallen on deaf ears. Isn't there, can't you do that thing, the freedom of information request? Where you write and they have to give you the information? I mean, they can redact the out of it, but uh, they could still give you the information. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I have a great story about redacting. I, I mean, a great interesting story for me. I was looking at uh, buying a property and across from the property, there was like a, a, like a development going on. So I was like, oh, why is this for sale? Because they're going to be developing like some terribly ugly property across the street. And so I go onto like the government website, you know, where they have all the things, and they redact people's personal information. I download the PDFs, and you could just delete the redaction, like you know the black lines over it. They're digitally added, and I was like, so it flickered when I opened it or something, and I was like, wait, did I just see that dude's name? And then you could just, you can't really delete it. You could just drag the redacting to another page on the page, place on the page, and I'm like, government, really? official government website is this really what's going on so all of that is just out there and then i found out what they were doing because i googled the guy's name found out the company he was running and then saw what developments the companies were building the company was building and you're like oh okay it's and then i was like it seems really unlikely you're gonna get the planning permission to do that so i didn't end up buying the house anyway but uh yeah that was shocking <laughs> i hope the cia is better at that shit. or do i Here's another tasty tidbit. Flight 739 was not the only Flying Tiger Lines line plane with military connections to have an accident on March the 15th, 1962. Ooh, uh, but they didn't crash into each other. There's no way. Conspiracy. On the same day that Flight 739 left Travis Air Force Base, another plane left the same base at roughly the same time. It was Flying Tiger Lines Flight 7816, also a Lockheed L1049H Super Constellation. All we know about this one is it was carrying secret military cargo, which could be absolutely anything. It was headed for a base in Alaska, and for some reason the pilot decided to try and land using his own judgment rather than the help of the control tower. This ended in tragedy when he crashed the plane short of the runway and died in the ensuing fireball, presumably taking the secret military cargo with him. <laughs> Wait, who lands a plane? You don't have a choice. Like, when you're coming into land, I know this from my learning to fly. If there's a tower, you have to ask. You can't just be like, ah. If it's a radio, if it's uncontrolled airspace or an uncontrolled controlled airfield, yeah, talk to the other pilots on the same frequency and be like, yo, yo, yo. Anyone around? I'm coming in for a landing. <laughs> Anybody? Hello? And then you can land. Or you, you don't even have to tell the other pilots if you like living dangerously and putting people's lives at risk. But you don't have to. You should. But if there's a tower, you have to be like, uh, hello? I'd like to land. The rest of the crew managed to escape with minor injuries. While this is most likely a coincidence, the fact that the two planes from the same airline crashed on the same day and both were being used for what were probably undercover military purposes stoked the rumor mill to the max. It's just a coincidence, guys. Pilot error was given for the cause of this other crash, and although it's fun to speculate on conspiracy theories and 
the possible sabotage of two planes at the same time, it does seem that this was human error and not unduly suspicious. Unless the pilot was an undercover Soviet agent. As it turned out, 1962 was not a great year for Lockheed Super Constellation. Despite the safety record, Flying Tiger Lines actually lost four of those planes that year. Didn't we start talking about this plane was reliable? Four in a year? Everyone was like, Boeing 737 MAX, you lost two planes in six months. This is insane. And they're like, no, 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 four in a year. 1960s is cool. Super reliable. You only lost four? A miracle. The two that we've covered, plus one in December that crashed due to the pilot having a suspected heart attack, but also one in September that crashed into the sea after a triple engine failure? Reliable planes? Triple engine failure? That does not speak much for maintenance checks, does it? Although, do please note that even with three engines out, this plane did not explode. Also, while 28 people on board died, 48 managed to survive. Aftermath as previously mentioned, the men lost in the disappearance of Flight 739 were not given recognition by the government, leaving the families left behind feeling abandoned and helpless. It took until May 2021, almost six decades later, for any sort of tribute to occur when non-profit organization Wreaths Across America erected a granite monument in Columbia Falls, Maine, bearing the names of all the American soldiers and crew who lost their lives. That's nice. Can't believe it took six decades. Yo, American government, you don't have to put them on the wall like the vietnam wall or whatever although maybe you should um but there should be a monument 60 something elite army people these are like people if you're an army ranger right that's you get you know it's not like you join the military for however long it is and then you leave these are like your elite soldiers you spent a lot of money on them they've dedicated their lives and careers to this come on do better I don't think the South Vietnamese people got recognized anywhere, though. Hopefully there's a mention of them somewhere in the world, maybe in South Vietnam. Uh, was it a deliberate act, an accident, or a mechanical failure? Maybe the plane was simply off course and ran out of fuel, crashing somewhere in the vast expanse of the ocean, never to be found, and the fireball was just a total red herring. In its report, the Civil Aeronautics Board stated, A summation of all relevant factors tends to indicate that the aircraft was destroyed in flight. However, due to the lack of any substantiating evidence, the Board is unable to state with any degree of certainty the exact flight of N6921C. If you recall, that was the registration number of Flight 739. Due to the complete and total lack of any evidence, the truth will never be known unless the remains of the plane manage to be discovered someday. That doesn't seem likely, however, as all of the places on Earth it could have been, the plane was near the Mariana Trench when it disappeared. That is the deepest place in the world. Also, James Cameron's been there, which is crazy. Whatever actually happens, the loss of Flight 739 takes it into the top 200 deadliest plane crashes in terms of lives lost and goes down as the worst tragedy ever involving a Lockheed Constellation aircraft. So, thank you, Casey, for putting this together. Uh, it was bombs, right? It was a bomb or a missile. The Russians blew it up, allegedly. The USSR, sorry. Or uh, the uh, there was someone slipped a bomb on board. That tanker just happening to see that same thing at the same time. Too much of a coincidence. Yeah, like, there's, there's like the scale of coincidences, right? There's coincidences where I'm just like, that's ridiculous. Like the meteor getting hit. That's just insane. The uh, other plane crashing on the same day. That's just a coincidence. The coincidence of a tanker seeing an explosion and a plane coming out of the sky exactly where that plane was supposed to be. That is on the side of coincidence that is pushing very close to certainty. Something blew up that plane. In my opinion, that's why I'm into Flight 739. 
sound off in the comments below if you're watching this on youtube if you're listening to this as a podcast please do consider leaving a review that would be wonderful good reviews warm my little heart and uh, as always thank you so much for watching or listening and i'll see you next time pulling up to mickey d's just for drinks oh yeah that's me nothing extra just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer ba-da-ba-ba-ba